This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. Ecclesiastics 3, 1-14. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, and a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden of God is laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Well, good morning. I'm not preaching, but Pastor George is. And let me just make some Quick introductions. Pastor George is a, a bivocational pastor here on staff, and he's just a, a year ago retired from UAA as a, a full professor of education uh, teaching teachers. But he also has uh, led and taught uh, small groups, Bible studies, uh, preaching from time to time. The, the most unique thing about George is that he has been a chaplain and, and you know, continues to do that on cruise ships where he, well, but, but he is a, is a pastor and a chaplain to both the, the passengers that are there as well as the crew on the ship. So in a sense, it is a church on the ocean. So a little bit about George. Share with us what, uh, what you have or what God's given you. Thank you. After such a, after such a wonderful introduction, I can't wait to hear myself speak. <laughs> but before I speak, I would like to say something. Um, Melissa and Kent, lovely to see you back with us again. Thank you. Living faith, life beyond belief. I'm reminded of the time when I was in South Africa, uh, long before I came here, that we were watching TV programs that said live audiences. And, and I'm thinking, what other kind of audience is there? <laughs> and, and I just sort of see the same thing with living faith. How can you have faith if you're not living? What is the, the time for every season? What, what is this to do with faith? Whether we're aware of it or not, we exercise faith every single day when we get up in the morning 
We go to the kitchen and press a button or put on a switch. And we believe that the kettle will boil to make coffee or tea. (laughs) We go to the bathroom, pick up our toothbrush and open up a new tube of toothpaste. Open it up and we believe that the product is safe to use. Get ready to go to work, go outside to the parking lot for a car, and you believe your car will be there. One day a student raised a hand and said, Not so, Dr. M. My car's been stolen twice in the last three months. (laughs) Those of us who live in Alaska, if we want to go anywhere, most of us have to fly. We purchase our ticket go to the airport and we step on the plane boy are we exercising faith big time (laughs) we know nothing about the servicing of the plane we know nothing about the training of the pilot we we, we just step out in faith and for those of us who've had to have medical procedures lying down there and then they put something on your nose and you just have faith that you'll wake up after the anesthetic. Faith. Faith is reaction to the facts. In these particular examples, these are the facts of, or are the facts of personal experience. I'm going to invite you to read the scriptures with me that come up on the screen. Let's go. Examine. Test. I'm asking you, in accordance with God's word, to examine yourselves to be sure that you're solid in the faith. Let's read. Why faith? Why faith to please God? Why is this God's currency, if you will? Well, if he used good looks as the measure, most of us would be left out. If he used height, a shorties would be left out. If he used intelligence, Well, most of us would make it, (laughs) or or not. (laughs) How about using age as the criteria to please God? It would be discriminatory, because some of us may not fit in to that age bracket. How about the color of our hair, the color of our skin, our weight, our social status? 
the kind of job that we have. If God used any of these criteria, someone would be left out. But with faith, who's left out? Nobody. In fact, God makes it quite simple. How much, or what kind of faith do you have? The kind of faith of a child. Picture a child putting his hand in mommy or daddy's hand to cross the road. That's the kind of faith that God sets up as his standard. Child-like faith. We have faith in the doctors, in the manufacturers of toothpaste, manufacturer of cars, in the airlines. And God is saying, I'm inviting you to please me by having faith. And whence is the source of that faith? Romans 10, 17. Here is the source. The faith that God asks you to exercise is the same faith you exercise in human products and in people and institutions. Exercise it in God's word. Anyone recognize this person? Please raise your hand if you do. Yes. Martin Luther. In fact, if it weren't for Martin Luther's faith, we wouldn't be here this morning. One day when the dark ages reached a point of darkness, God intervened by raising Martin Luther, through whom the Reformation was carried out. He examined himself. As he looked around and saw the corruption of the church around him, selling indulgences for salvation and the politics involved in the church. And he looked at this miserable condition around. He looked inside himself and he didn't saw what he saw wasn't that pretty either. He was seeking salvation. He discovered it could not be found in membership in any institution or at the hands of human beings. He saw that it was a gift from God. His new understanding was grounded in faith and his faith led to salvation through the grace of God. According to Luther, faith, that grace, was not predicated upon church membership or earthly works. It was a gift that had been bought on the cross by the death of Jesus of Nazareth. And it was only attainable through one's faith in him. He read the Bible twice a year, right through, because this was the voice of the living God that spoke directly to the needs of his people. One man's faith through God's word as he received light from reading the word, 
he read this verse. Behold, Four times he saw in the scriptures the just shall live by faith. Those justified made right through the Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross shall live by faith. What an impact it had on him. Um, So much so, he said this, God our Father has made all things dependent on faith so that whoever has faith will have everything. And whoever does not have faith will have nothing. Uh, How many were here last week? Were you somewhat apprehensive as you saw the two planks leading up to the platform? And Wes in his wheelchair wheeling up there? Were you apprehensive? I was. Yet he had faith, and he came up there. And when he stood here and shared his testimony, paralyzed all the way down, and he said that because of his accident, he now rejoiced that he had faith in God. Wow. That's faith. Job said, though he slay me, Yet will I trust him. That's faith. Let's read together. For everything... Time to plant flowers, mow the lawn, rake the grass, shovel the snow in winter, and we start all over again next year. Although this year, there was a little less mowing and more shoveling, wasn't there? Yes, there was a time for that. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. Time to embrace, embracing, to seek, A time for war and a time for peace. 
veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan, where next? I love watching World War I and World War II newsreels, and as I look at the people and I look at their faces, featured in them, um, I wonder where, where did they go? You see these lines of miles and miles of refugees walking, carrying, or towing their meager belongings pathetically. These people, their joys, their fears, their loves, their work, their families, I wonder what was their end. You get the picture. All gone in the mists of time. There's a philosopher called Heraclitus um, from Ephesus who said there is nothing permanent except change. He said something more significant. He was the one who introduced the concept of logos, the source of all creation, which we know about when John wrote his gospel, in the beginning was the logos. And the word was with God, and the logos was God. I tried to see if my ancestry went back to him because of such a great thought I had to settle for Plato and Aristotle. <laughs> These are the seasons of life. A generation is born, grows up, toils, then fades into obscurity. I suspect in less than 30 years, great-grandparents won't be known to the current generation. Another generation, ditto, What's the use, one could ask. We can't control the seasons of life. In fact, the writer in the book of Ecclesiastes, which means the preacher said, vanity, all is vanity. As he looked at life, he had everything King Solomon did that life had to offer. Riches, pleasure, power, dominion, lands, status. But 37 times he calls all this vanity. Breath, light wind, denotes what passes away more quickly or less quickly and completely. Like in our winter, fleeting breath in cold air. This hebel, this vanity, leaves no result or no adequate result behind and therefore fails to satisfy the mind of man which naturally craves for something permanent. Vanity. All is pointless, meaningless. Is that our circle of life? Is that how we see life? The good news is that all is not lost. Let's read. I have seen the business that God has given to be busy with. I 
have seen given to the children of men to be visited. Eternity in their hearts. Here is the whirlpool galaxy as the Hubble telescope saw it. Each of those dots are stars. And in the midst of this whirlpool galaxy, in the midst of it, there is a black hole that draws everything in it. In the midst of every human heart, there is eternity. Oh, what do we try to fill it with? Fifteen minutes of fame. As someone once put it. Eternity in the heart of man. We have longings, urgings, desirings. There's got to be something more than this circle of life, than the seasons of life. There's got to be more. We struggle with it, and yet we know that there is, and the Bible tells us that we cannot fathom what that is, what God has done. It's like the stock market. Sometimes we get it, and sometimes we don't. But by dwelling in the truth of eternity, we understand that the reason for our lives is to glorify Him, to make Him known in our lives, in the world in which He has placed us. We have an omnipotent God whose timing is perfect. He has placed eternity in our lives. He calls us to exercise a living faith to the end that Jesus will be glorified. St. Augustine, whose mother, St. Monica, prayed for him for 20 years, became one of the great saints of the church. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find that rest in you. That hole in our hearts. Blaise Pascal, the French philosopher, I think said it perfectly. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator made known through Jesus. Is that emptiness in your heart filled? Only God can fill it. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can fill it. But you need to exercise that faith. C.S. Lewis said it so brilliantly, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. And into that body, God, the creator of the universe that we've been singing, 
and worshipping about wants to come and live and inhabit to be part of our lives wow he's big enough to create the mighty universe yet small enough to live within my heart let's continue I have perceived God wants you to enjoy the seasons of life. He created them. And you can do it when He's there. When He's part of who you are. When you live your life through faith in His Word and hearing His Spirit, you can be joyful and do good. That's his gift. It doesn't have to be pointless or meaningless. God calls us to richly enjoy all things. I've also concluded. It is what it is. It is what it is. Commit yourself to the Lord. Let Him be part of the seasons of your life. So let's start with the children. Love them for what they are. With all their stubbornness, messiness, and what not. Love them for what they are. Got a 13-year-old who rolls his or her eyes till they're 18 and can't wait to be there. If they obey and respect parents, they will have a new joy in life. Young adults at commencement addresses all over the nation whether it be high school or college, they're encouraged to go and change the world. Okay. You're only part of the seasons of life. Get a job. Learn a skill set. Do something to build character and let God, through that, change the world. Parents, look how your household is run. When the qualifications of elders is set out, Paul starts talking about your home, not anything else. Don't let kids run the agenda at your house. Don't spend all your life running around to make sure they have fun. But do speak with dignity and let there be respect. That's your task. Invest in their lives. You're not a parent. 
Maybe for this season, God has called you to be single. That's good. Because Paul says if you're single, you can devote yourself more to the Lord. If you're married, you're devoted more to your spouse. And that's good too. But take this time to live your season. You're retired. So much to do or nothing to do. At this season, the main thing on your to-do list is be an encourager. Encourage the next generation. Encourage someone. You can do that. Don't say I did it yesterday. Don't leave it till tomorrow. Do all these things today. Let's conclude. Be... Why faith? It pleases God. Be strong in it. Stand firm and be courageous. Remember, it's the just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We just thank you so much for the fact that we can please you by exercising that childlike faith in obedience to your word. Thank you so much that you desire to live in our hearts and lives that we can indeed do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Guide us this day and this week to exercise a living faith. Amen.